when you see wooden soldiers, you automatically think of Babes in Toyland and the, the sweet, tender, magical moment in which wooden soldiers come to life. Well, I love that story, and I love the whole musical of it, but it's make-believe. It's make-believe, along with all the other American traditions that has overtaken the celebration of Christmas, such as, you know, Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty and even the Grinch. You know, they're, they're traditions, and they're sweet stories, and they tug at our hearts, but girls, they can't change our hearts because it's, it's make-believe. The true Christmas story is the only thing that truly changes our hearts. So while the wooden soldier, ready, has nothing to do with the true meaning of Christmas, I want to present some thoughts and some truths to you concerning this because I want us to view the miracle of Christmas in a slightly different way so that it's fresh to our hearts. You know how easy it is to get used to the same thing, the same Christmas story, the same Luke 2, the same, as miraculous as it is, we hear it over and over, and pretty soon our brains become teflonated, and it hits and it slides off, and it doesn't make it to the heart. So I'm going to bring you some truths concerning a wooden soldier because I want you to hear these truths in a little bit of a different way. It's like when Doug and I were dating and we were engaged and I had heard, I love you, I love you, I love you many, 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 many times. <laughs> it got to a point where I wanted, I, I didn't want to get used to it. And so he would say, I love you, and I would say, how much? <laughs> or he would say, I love you, and I would say, describe it. Or he would say, I love you, and I would say, as compared to what? <laughs> because I didn't want to get used to it. I wanted to be fresh and new as the first time he told me he loved me and my heart about exploded out of my chest. Well, girls, God says, I love you so much. I am gifting you with a gift that you cannot even imagine. And you know what we do? We get used to it. So with this wooden soldier, here are some thoughts that I want to uh, parallel. I picked up a book years ago and um, stumbled across this delightful parallel between wooden soldiers and you and me. And so I took some seed thoughts from him and I wrapped it in my KJV version, Kathy Jackson version, and I want to share with you this wonderful way in which God describes his love and tells us how much he loves us in a way that perhaps is a little bit different. So picture with me wooden soldiers coming to life. Set in your mind the nutcracker. Right now the whole musical is going through my head. And picture that wooden soldier coming to life. The clock strikes the little bird comes out, and here's the wooden soldier coming to life. Because, girls, that's exactly what happened when God descended and came to earth for mankind so that we could come to life. 
That's the miracle of the Christmas story. But think about coming to life. Let's go back right to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created. This was in the Garden of Eden. This is where man first knew life, where man first became human. God created us, and he created us truly human. Now, I can't imagine Adam and Eve created truly human, truly pure, no evil, no evil within, no evil around. It was not in them. It was not outside of them. They were pure, and all they were were filled with all the good things from God. What a feeling. What a way to live. They were not human like you and I are human. See, we judge humanity by what's around us. Look at the person next to you. She looks like you. I look like you. You look like me. We're all human together. And I want you to know that even as you look at each other, that's not how you were meant to be. Tell the lady next to you that's not how you were meant to be. Tell her. No, no. <laughs> we, we were meant to live without sin, without corruption, without a wrong thought ever even entering my mind. Can you imagine living like that? Never a wrong thought? Mm. Have you ever had your mind so filled with garbage? Hurtful facts? Or perhaps something that was viewed that should have never entered my eye gate? Or perhaps Related gossip that got passed on that just crushes you or angers you. Garbage in my mind. Have you ever had it so filled that you just wish, I just wish I could get this out of my head? I have multiple times over. See, we wooden humans are so prone to garbage. Well, God's gift to you and me provides a way. I mean, I, you think about... We take physical showers. I would love to take my mind sometimes and just put it under the shower head so I wouldn't have to think about this issue, about this problem, about this hurt. God provides that way. Do you know because Jesus came, he says, child, child, this is what I will do for your mind. I will, I will allow you to let this mind be in me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit. God supplies the shower for me inside because of Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O oh Lord. You're my strength, you're my redeemer, and you rinse me clean every day. Many times throughout my day. I love the verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And to what, girl? <laughs> Cleanse us. I love those white erase cleaning sponges. They get the grime off like nothing else does in my tub. Well, God's cleansing is better than that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us. But we get dirty so fast, don't we? It's an ongoing cleansing. Can you imagine Adam and Eve 
never needing to be cleansed because there never was an impure, wrong, hurtful thought that even entered their heads. They, they, had, they had nothing but perfection. Mm. Can you imagine waking up perfect? As compared to how we woke up this morning. <laughs> I called my sister early because I wanted to see how my mom's night went. And praise the Lord, she had a better night because she has not had many. And, um, and I said, oh, I washed my face and I looked in the mirror. I thought, oh, who in the world are you? <laughs> you know, that's how I woke up. My nose dripping, my head banging, my feet walking to the coffee pot and saying, because it's a discipline, this is the day the Lord hath made. Thank you, dear Lord, for this Sunday in November where we get to celebrate what's real and what's going to last. Because, what did I say? Oh, my word. (laughs) So you get how I woke up, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyways, my my daily life, what it was meant to be, is far different than what my daily life is because of sin. To be daily, continually pure and filled with nothing but joy and contentment, living out a perfect day with a, a perfect friend, a perfect husband, walking in the evening with God. No guilt, no regret, no selfishness, no sin. Well, that's how it was meant to be. But when sin entered, now here's a neat way to think about what truly happened to you and me when sin, we are born in sin, it's in our nature. But when this happened in the Garden of Eden, we were no longer the way God created us to be. Sin perverted God's original design. And that's why I had you tell your neighbor, you're not what you were supposed to be. I'm not. God's original design was for me to live in perfection with him. But sin perverted all that and affects every molecule in us. My son, Clint, born with Down syndrome, 33 years ago, that boy is the joy and sunshine of my day. That T21 chromosome, when it split the way it split, you know what it did? It then affected every part of development inside of Clint from that point on. When sin entered, it it retarded all of our development. Not only did it just slow it down, pervert it, twist it, change it into something it shouldn't have been, but sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what, girls? Death. Spiritually, when sin entered, rigor mortis set in. Rigor mortis, wooden, wooden soldiers. We, at that moment, became wooden. Sometimes they refer to a corpse as a stiff. Why? Because it's hard and it doesn't move. When sin entered, we became wooden. We died spiritually. Sin takes my life and sin hardens. So Jesus asked the Pharisees in Mark 18, 17. Now get the correlation of this because it's such a truth. Have ye your heart yet hardened? That's why they would, see, they were hardened. Rigor mortis of the heart. 
because of sin. Proverbs 28, 14, he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Now, here's a great verse for you and me. Hebrews 3, 13, but exhort one another daily. Because, girls, that's how quickly we receive garbage and, and that's how quickly sin is affecting me. Every day, sin affects me. And so God's word says in Hebrews, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin hardens. Sin kills. Sin brings rigor mortis in me internally, spiritually. And so Paul, who I believe wrote Hebrews, says, exhort one another. If you see somebody being fooled, deceived by sin, don't stay silent. Kindly go to that person and say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I haven't seen you in Sunday school. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I, I, see, you, I see you unhappy. I'm concerned. What can I do to help? But more than that, God wants to help. So while it's called today, look out for one another. You and I traded what we were meant to be for wood, flammable wood. We traded everything for nothing. God's word says that without God, I can do nothing. That's what I became because I was without God. It also says in 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter Clint loves to quote, that without God's love, I am nothing. Because that's what wood is. Wood is nothing. It's flammable. It's going to be destroyed. Without God... I can do nothing without God. I am nothing. Now, I want you all to turn to your Bibles to Philippians 2, 7, and 8. We're going to park here for a couple minutes. You are going to love this. Philippians 2, 7, and 8. With referencing in your head that we traded everything for nothing, and now that I am in sin, I'm separated from God, now I am nothing. Now, Philippians 2, 7, and 8 but made himself of no reputation. Now, in my Bible, I've got this written down because I always want to be reminded that this phrase, of no reputation, translated means made nothing. Is that amazing? If you go back to the original, but made himself of no reputation is really translated made himself nothing. Like you and I became nothing in our woodenness. But how could God make himself nothing? I'm going to quote an author here that I enjoy. He writes, Becoming man means, the crea means God's creative power was called upon again. He, Jesus, the creator of everything, now creates a new form of existence. He who holds everything together would pour everything into nothing. End of quote. But every moment of Jesus' descent from glory, he became dimmer and dimmer and less and less until he became nothing. And then scripture says, and being found in the fashion as a man, that phrase always intrigued me. 
when you find something, you're always surprised, aren't you? And I don't know if they're referencing heaven, because can you imagine when the glory of heaven left, what heaven was like? I don't know how much God informed the angels and the seraphims and the cherubims of his plan for salvation and for his son leaving heaven. But Jesus is what? Light. When he left, heaven dimmed. And the angels probably did not know all of God's plans because often God doesn't reveal everything. It's part of our trusting him as wooden humans. It's part of our exercising our faith. But what did the heavens think when the Son of Glory left and they're watching as they do and he became nothing and being found, fashioned as a man, going back to being found. You're always surprised when you find something, aren't you? I mean, you go, oh, oh, oh. Well, can you imagine their surprise when they found out what Jesus became. Oh, oh, he became one of them, one of those wooden creatures, one of those condemned to die, one of those God-haters. He became like them. I can't, I, you know, I hope we get this all in replay. I'm sure we're going to. We've got eternity. But can you imagine the angels scratching their heads and going, for them? Why? Why? Now, okay, this is just a footnote, and I've got a couple of minutes. And we don't get a lot of this in Scripture, but you know, when Lucifer fell, there was a huge battle before we even were, before the earth was even made. Lucifer was cast out of heaven. There was a rebellion that took place. These angels of God, they know all about rebellion. They know all about choosing. Because there was a war that we know very little about. But when they see that their king leaves to come to redeem these nothing people that rejected him, they know all. If you've ever been in a fight for righteousness or a fight for your family or a fight against the devil, you are so moved when you see it happening again. And you just want to say, not again. Not again. That's what the angels saw. They saw Jesus leave to fight the battle again. And they had to say, why? Why? And scripture answers it. And I love that scripture answers it. And scripture answers it because we are his he made us. He made us. And now he's going to redeem us. And he's going to take our wooden, rigor mortis, wretched, sin-filled heart. And by his grace, we're going to be saved because of his love and because of his gift. We're his workmanship. And he's not going to let us go. That's why scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He fought for us. He went to the cross for us. He went to the depths of hell for us. 
He became nothing so that we who are nothing could have everything again. That's grace, and that's huge, and that's the true meaning of Christmas. Another author wrote, the deepest mystery of the universe was that its creator, God's son, would volunteer for this sure death mission of rescuing you and me. You and me, the wooden, the hardened, the condemned, the no life. So, so we've talked about what heaven must have been like when Jesus left. We, we've talked about what Jesus became. He became nothing. He became like me so that I could become like him. That's our opportunity today, knowing Jesus. And also about his workmanship. Some of you are and have been involved with the adoption process. You know the paperwork. You know the pages and the pages. You know, you know all that you go through to adopt. Often there is screening out potential problem children. By the way, we all qualify. We're all born problem children. Often there is... Um, passing by the ones who have no potential or who are disabled. But our father did just the opposite. He adopted us as his children while we were that problem child, while we were disabled with sin, while we had no potential. And he not only saves us, but he adopts us into family. We become joint heirs with Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters to the Most High, all because of the true meaning of Christmas. So let's go to Christmas morning. It's coming, and it's coming fast. But let's go back to Mary's Christmas morning. Mary had delivered the very first truly human child. Now, here's some neat ways to think about this. Jesus was the first truly human child after Adam and Eve were created. There was no wood in him. Born without sin, young Mary cradles in her arms the first truly human who would perfectly fulfill the potential that God had designed for you and me. Think of all the people involved in the Christmas story. Joseph, of course, Mary. Um, the shepherds, the magi, Simeon and Anna at the temple. Think of all the people who viewed this truly human, perfect baby child and realized that, yes, they got to, but they were all wooden. They were all wooden. They were not in perfection. They were viewing perfection. They saw this perfect, beautiful, human baby no woodenness our woodenness has disabled us so that we have never been able to function as god meant for us to function we've always been shackled um, we carry around our load of sin like jacob marley's long chain okay uh, we become burdened with guilt or with regret we carry those loads but here's a child wrapped in Mary's arms, who would be totally different. 
The same flesh, the same physical limitations, yet without sin. Perfect. Have you ever asked yourself what the perfect child acts like? No? Well, I know very well what the imperfect child acts like or children. How does a perfect child respond to hunger or loneliness or rejection or pain or fear? I know how my three reacted to all those, and I can't imagine how Mary and Joseph observed such perfection. Can you imagine the disappointment when the other kids came along? (laughs) Did the question ring through the hallways of their humble home? Why can't you act like your brother? You know, perfection. And what about Jesus, surrounded by all this woodenness? What about him? Wow. Apart from being held in Mary's arms, his first touch was wooden. His cradle was a cow's trough. Hard. His first toys were scraps that fell from his earthly father's carpenter table. Wooden. And when, dear girls, did it enter this perfect child's consciousness that he would lay his life down on a wooden cross? so that you and I would be saved from our woodenness. Well, mankind lived woodenly for over 4,000 years from the Eden experience to Jesus coming, and we became so used to our woodenness. We didn't even know what true humanity looked like because, you see, Jesus came to his own and his own what? We didn't even know what we were supposed to be. And so we received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he what? The power to become unwooden. KJV, Kathy Jackson Version. (laughs) Power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believed on his name. Becoming unwooden, because that's now the part two of the sweetest truth of the Christmas story. The Christmas story is when we place our faith and trust in him and he declares us his children. And then he slowly begins to make us real. It's a transformation. Oh, well, what does that remind you of? Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's the transformation that only God can do in each one of us that make us less wooden. But I can't help, again, to revert to a a Christmas traditional story of, of Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas morning when he awoke and he said, oh, I'm alive. It's real, but it's not real. It's normal, but it's strange. <laughs> Girls, that's just how we are when we allow the Holy Spirit to work on us and transform us from the inside out and make us less wooden and more like we were meant to be, which is more like Christ oh that woodenness doesn't it doesn't it just irk you mine does that would at Thanksgiving we just celebrated Thanksgiving did some of you bump into some wooden people at Thanksgiving some hard people Um, do you work with or live with someone who leaves splinters in you all the time or Did we splinter someone as they rubbed us the wrong way? Yep. Our woodenness smolders like last fall's campfire. 
it permeates and penetrates every part of us. And it's so easy to focus on the slivers of others and totally ignore my bark-encrusted self. Well, the babe in the manger came not only to save me because I'm flammable woodenness, but he came to change me. He says, child, in me, you're everything. Let me take your nothing and make it everything. So this week, I don't want you to make a Christmas list. I want you to write a Christmas prayer. This is your homework, your Christmas prayer. And I want it to be a focus, a reminder of, of a goal. What do you really want for Christmas? I want to be like him. I want to be less wooden and a whole lot more Christ-like. That's why he came. Here's the prayer that I wrote. And I would like you as my class to write a personal prayer according to your own frame of reference for your own life for the month of December. My prayer went something like this. Dear Lord, I really want for Christmas your likeness, your patience, your forgiveness, your love, your righteousness. You live inside of me to provide it. Help me be a partaker and a participator of your divine nature. According to 2 Peter 1, it's available. And let me use every wooden opportunity to show and share your grace. I want my faith to work. Like the batteries I put in my grandchildren's toys so when they unwrap it and open it, it works right then. Father, empower me. Charge me so that I will work, function in a way that you designed me to. For your glory. Amen. Now, let me tell you some ramifications when that becomes a focus of your daily December days. Number one, you let go of the grudges. When your heart's prayer is to become like him, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to let go of old grudges. You know where you're going to put them? At the wooden cross where they're supposed to be. But you find an ease in letting go of them because you have just committed yourself, God made me like you. And when you do that, and that is when I let it go, God's grace fills that very spot where that grudge lived. Now, that's a miracle that happens inside, and there is nothing like it. And when I can let go and truly forgive, not wait for them to make it right, not wait for them to say they're sorry, not wait for them to finally get it, see it, understand it. No! It doesn't matter, Father. It's taking a place up in my heart that you want to fill with your grace. So I let it go. I put it at the wooden cross and make this wooden heart more like your heart. And he fills it. That's why the Holy Spirit lives inside of us with his grace. And with that grace, there comes a sense of joy. I don't care what, what we're going through. It's God's joy. It's independent of any circumstance or any person. There comes a sense of peace, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You know how you experience that peace? With a dedicated prayer every morning, God, reveal the wood in me. May I quickly shed it so that your peace can take its place. When I begin caring more about someone else than myself, we shed our woodness. When I pray for those who 
abuse us, gossip about us, talk down the things that I hold dear, I feel a freeness that transcends pettiness and Kathy's opinion. It's like a toddler just learning to walk. When you take a new position, there's freedom. There's freedom. Oh, there's still tumbles and there's still trips. But you get up because you never want to give that up, that freedom that you had. God delights in making us different people day by day, moment by moment, hurt by hurt, continually shedding more of our woodenness and becoming more like the daughter he created us to be. So, Christmas 2017. If you don't have a wooden soldier around, I hope you'll get one. I've also got a pin I'm wearing. You don't, put, them, put them where you'll see them. Put them in the car when you're carpooling and frantically running around. Father, shed me of my woodenness. Let me march like the real wooden, now alive soldier you made me to be. Put it at work, put it at home, put it in your car. And remember that we were once condemned to be wooden, but now we're alive. Join with me in the march of the once wooden soldier, the march of grace, the march of change, the march of alive, the march of transformed. Because that's not just the meaning of Christmas, That's the purpose of Christmas for you and me. God bless you as you race or march to the auditorium. (laughs)